Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Um, Again, good morning, everyone, and welcome to City Beautiful Church. We're continuing on with our series called Original Church, uh, where we're looking at uh, the early community, the early family of God in that little Acts chapter 2 piece, and looking at what are the basic practices that they were participating in that were helping them to grow into maturity in Christ. And so even last week, we had the elders talking to us about what a life of generosity looks like, not just to the community, but for us to bless those um, that we encounter in day by day. And today, Today I'm really excited because we're talking about worship, and we have two of our worship leaders with us today, Scott and Kaylee, um, who come to us with a wealth of experience and wisdom when it comes to this topic. Surprise! <laughs> so um, I kind of want to hitch everything to this today, that a lifestyle of worship binds us closer to God and to one another as we grow together. So I'm going to pray, we're going to read the passage, and then we're going to just share some things that the Lord's put on our heart. Uh, so, Father, um, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this season that we're in as, as we're even looking forward to Pentecost next week and the, being reminded of the coming of your Holy Spirit and how that same Spirit invests each one of us with your presence and your power. And so, Lord, I, I pray that even now you would send your Holy Spirit to each one of us, um, that as we're speaking today about worship, each of us would be reminded of our posture towards you and to one another, that we would really great gain um, just a key understanding of how we're approaching worship and that perhaps through the Spirit you would uh, identify to us places that you want us to continue to grow. So may the words of our lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight, O Lord, a rock and our Redeemer. Um, so I'm going to read the passage from Acts chapter 2. and uh, Today I'm going to be reading it in the message version. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe, all those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful, as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. Every day, their number grew as God added to those who were being saved. So in this early church, remember, it begins as a Jewish movement that these are Jews that recognize Jesus is the Messiah that was promised. And so it stands to reason that they're, they're not dramatically changing their practices of worship. They're continuing to gather in the synagogue, in the temple to worship God in the Jewish tradition, um, call and response psalms, uh, singing of songs that were part of the tradition, the reading of the Torah, expounding upon it. And so in the very beginning of the church, known as the way at this point, they're continuing that practice. They're worshiping with other Jews, but then there's a secondary practice that comes on top of that where they're meeting together in their homes and they're passing around the letters from, uh, from Paul and some of the other apostles where they're singing their own new songs that are about Jesus as the promised Messiah and the revelation of what God is really like. And as this movement continues to grow, they begin to incorporate in
in Gentile believers, and they start to leave behind worship in the Jewish temple and start developing these practices of work, coming together communally as little Christs, as Christians, uh, to worship in their own way. And all throughout the New Testament, we see these little examples of in their gatherings, they're singing hymns, either these songs that have been written and kind of passed around, or they're singing spiritual songs, maybe that, uh, that arise out of their experience in that moment. And they have this really beautiful balance, even in the early church, of singing ancient truths, yet also creating space to sing spontaneous and fresh new songs. And so I think that kind of gives us this dominant question as we're approaching this. I think it's so easy to get into the details of what we talk about with worship, but to really say, well, in the big picture, what do we mean when we're talking about worship? I think worship is a central practice of our faith because it immerses us in God's story. So for the two of you, what is the value, not just of a lifestyle of worship, but what's the value of what we do in terms of like collective worship, us coming together and singing songs? So I think that just worship as a whole, the value in it, that the Bible ascribes value to musical worship throughout the story of God's people. And so just looking at the Bible, one of the longest books being Psalms, if the Bible is God's heart revealed, then that tells me that music is a big part of God's heart and a big part of how we were meant to worship. And so I just think that music being part of culture and part of societies and communities, it's not by accident. It's actually by design. Um, we were designed to do this we were designed to carry out this um, this responsibility to worship. So getting to participate in that tradition is something that's really holy and sacred and we're invited into it, um, which I don't, I often have to remind myself about how rich this tradition actually is. Um, so as far as communal worship is concerned, I just think there's great power in collective expression by coming into a room and unifying in words, um, in truth, singing them on behalf of our families, our neighborhoods, our city. Um, it equips us with the heart of God for the sake of the world. And um, in Hebrews, the writer says to um, stir up one another to love and good works and not to, to not neglect meeting together. And I think that part of that is because we can only be stirred up in worship by doing it together. I think that's why part of us is grieving so hard right now over the loss of just being able to meet together because singing these songs that, that does something it's part of our faith and we're missing that piece right now so if there's that loss there I think that that really helps explain it because we're not being stirred up in that way um, as a community um, so yeah just musical worship in that regard I think is uh, very very valuable as a community and then lastly just worship throughout my life I've been in settings where I've been in just giant um, stadiums of people worshiping from all around the world. And so sometimes that just helps me see the vastness of God and really to, to, to take away um, or just step back from myself and just see God through someone else's story and to realize at that moment wouldn't be possible without the unification of the blood of Jesus and to realize how powerful that really is. So I think that worship does reveal that just, just to be so in awe of, of who he is and how other people um, see him. Yeah, I think that's really important that it's like there's this deep intimate connection with God, but there's this also connection to one another where we're, we're kind of living out the story that we've been saved into through that practice. And as you're saying, like singing it over each other and when we're feeling it, when we're not feeling it or whatever. And um, like, so 
Scott, what's kind of like what's your dominant lens when you think about the value of worship? Like, wh- how are we to step into it? How do we step into it? Um, I, I guess I'm just picturing like we're on the stage inside the the church, so I, I guess I'm picturing what it feels like as everyone starts to pour in and. I think what's what's so interesting about corporate worship is we're all walking into a place with you know everything that's been going on in our lives, the good, the bad. Um, maybe you had a relational issue on the way there. Maybe work stuff's um, not going like it should. And there's something uh, there's something that's so unifying about singing together and about declaring these truths about God, truths about who we are, um, and in doing that through, um, like firstly through a, a lens of sacrifice. So we're off, like we come in here with all of our stuff, but we take time to kind of turn our head towards God and focus in on him and allow him to, to be our refuge, to be our strength, to, to take the weight of, of that pain or, or, you know, whatever that negative thing might be. And, and something beautiful happens where we start to, you know, loosen up. We start to maybe not think about the issue so much more because we're focusing on God. And then we start to realize we're, we're not trying to control it as much. And, and I, like, for me, worship, worship communally is all about realigning collectively back to the Father and back to, like, the source of uh, our praise, you know. Yeah, I've always, I, I know that I've said it before, and, you know, we're going to talk about preference in a minute, but, like, gosh, when I hear people go, well, I didn't really get anything out of that worship, and I feel like, kind of like what you're saying, it's like, man, there's, a, there's an expectation there that I'm, first of all, stepping into this to get something out of it, and you're saying, like, well, let's begin with that posture of sacrifice, like, yeah, I think that's, absolutely. that's huge. Um, you know, kind of peppered throughout this series, we have this vision of the early church in Acts 2, but I found that we're constantly making reference to this passage in Revelation 7. Again, it's like when we have this vision of where it is that God wants to take us as a community, then we look back in the present moment and go, okay, what are we doing now that helps us to get there? And so I wanted to read that passage is from Revelation 7, because I think it's one that's just drenched in collective worship. So, this is John the Revelator. He's, he's writing out these visions that he's having for his community to help them kind of get this kind of surreal, heavenly perspective of what it is we're doing on earth. And so it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing there before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white clothes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the creatures were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. That's so good. Yeah. Like it, it gets me pumped. It, it, yeah, because it's one of the things I feel like as human beings, we're so disconnected from creation that we miss. Like there's three different levels of worship here. There's like us in the middle, like as human beings, we're worshiping. And then there's this vision of these living creatures and the angels and these elders that are in this kind of 
heavenly place. And then it says like all creatures. So like all of creation is participating in worship. And we're kind of stuck in the middle. And so often we come into it making it about me and my stuff. And we miss, we're contributing to this larger chorus that's always been there. Um, but we're just learning how to listen and then contribute. And I think that that it's a reorientation of our expectations of like, what, what's this for? Why are we doing this? That's actually funny that you say that because I just had a revelation of a vision <laughs> that I've had um, of that picture uh -huh. um, that the Lord's given me where it's like the cross and then everybody that's still living, like this, the existing, you know, mothers and daughters and worshipers currently. Yeah. And then on the other side of the cross is everybody who's gone before us okay. and just like a drove of people who are just like still worshiping, but wow. from the other side and we're looking at each other and the cross is in the middle. And I just realized like, Oh, that's actually a good picture. I yeah. haven't shared that before, but that, that really, no, I love illustrates that. It. I think that I kind of leading into the second point that worshiping God for who he is, uh, gives context to what we're experiencing in life. That a lot of times we're trying to reconcile this tension between, you know, what we read about in scripture or the songs that we sing and then our own personal experience in this moment. So for you guys, where does God's truth, like the truth of who God is, where does that meet in our personal experience? Yeah, I kind of touched on it a minute ago, but I, so I came to know God through like a deep depression. And so like I, that's how I first learned to worship him truly was like from that place. Yeah. So I've always viewed, uh, I've always viewed worship through like how, how can I help people? Like it's almost like my mission is like, how can I help you no matter where you are? to focus back in on God, to see that like, no matter how far down you are, how, or how low things feel, it doesn't really matter about the depth, it just matters where your eyes are. And, uh, and I've seen so much fruit through that. I've seen like, like crazy healing just, just with someone being able to say like, you know what, things suck right now, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna praise you. Yeah. Like there's so much good in that. Um, especially the like when you see someone who you're like, man, their life is like hitting the rocks right now, and you see them going all at it in worship, like it gives me chills yeah. just thinking about it. Yeah. Like I get I get so fired up, and um, I think I think good good worship is almost a it's like a musical liturgy, so like even when you're down and you're singing like the song, the lyrics are not where you're at. You're singing about being on the mountain and all this stuff. You're almost reminding yourself, like these are the truths of God and it, uh, it is doing something inside of your heart and your spirit when you say, when you sing these things that like, man, I can't really sing that. But if you can, if you can find the strength to just sing those words, something happens inside your soul. It shifts things inside of us. I'm getting, I'm getting excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, you know, it's interesting to me, like we think that Job is probably the oldest um, book in the Bible. Like it's one of the earliest ones. And the, Job is like this epic poem 
that basically answers the question, what do you do when everything's awful? Like, what do you do on the worst day of your life? And you see, if you read it kind of through that lens of worship, you see Job trying to maneuver this thing because it says he's a righteous man. Everything's taken from him. And he's trying to reconcile what does faithfulness to God look like? What does being authentic to what I'm actually experiencing look like and not wiping it away? Because his, his first friends come along and they're just giving him little explanations like, oh, you must have done this or you didn't do that or whatever. And he's trying to sit in and, and hold that tension together to find resolution. And then even again, when we come to the Psalms or Lamentations, it's like the act of worship is the shaking your fists, but it has a direction. You're shaking your fists at God instead of just going, ugh, well, whatever, I'm out, things aren't going my way. I think that's, that's really powerful. What about you, Kaylee? Um, so in just like praying and, and, and studying for, for what we were going to say, I came across a verse that I was so bummed that I missed it for so long. And it was, <laughs> I was really moved by it. It's just like a single sentence. And it's the night before Jesus is going to be put to death, right after they finished, you know, partaking in the Lord's Supper together. They sang a hymn like together as a group before going out to the Mount of Olives. And I was just like, geez, like, look, look, Jesus was, was singing hymns with his, with his community. They, they did that, whether that was just a practice that they did during that time. Like he wasn't singing to change his fate. Like he knew what was coming the next day. He wasn't trying to get God to rescue him from this situation. He was worshiping because he knew the worth of what he was worshiping, and he did that alongside his community. And so for me, I was like, wow, like, that's why we're following Jesus' example. If he's doing that with his best friends, I want to do that with my best friends. And I just, I was really moved. And so, you know, just thinking about encounter being the goal, to encounter, have an encounter with the Lord. Um, I've seen people just, like, become kind of cynical and jaded about their worship experience, oftentimes they'll reduce it down to just something that they feel. Like, oh, well, of course you had that experience. It was the swell of the guitar or the music is designed to make you feel a certain way. But an experience and an encounter with God is so much more than that. It's your mind, it's your body, it's your spirit. Like some of my most impactful worship experiences have been when I come in, I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to be emotional today. I'm not really an emotional person and so, it's, it's really funny how the Lord will sneak up on me and like the day where I'm just like, no, I'm, I feel fine. Like everything's whatever. Like I'm, I'm good. The Lord will just sneak up and be like, Hey, but like, let's, let's, let's mold you here. Like let's mold you there. And just to experience like what he needs me to become or what he's calling me to in a moment. It's like a, it's a full body, soul, mind thing. So. Well, and because it's, it's salvation. You know, we've, we've been talking a lot even recently how like salvation is this ongoing process where it's not like God is just after your soul so you can go to heaven when you die. It's not about like, oh, at the end of the day, God just wants your heart. No, he wants the whole person. And so he's gathering all the bits of who you are that have been fractured by the brokenness of the world. And he's mending it and worship becomes one of those acts. I had a similar experience years ago when I was living in Nashville. I was at my church and um, we were a vineyard church. There was a you know, big emphasis on worship. And I had gone in with this resolution like, gosh, am I letting myself be manipulated uh, by beauty? And maybe I need to just kind of make sure my heart's in the right place. So I made this deal with the Lord. I'm like... 
during the, the worship at the beginning, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit here and see if I can and I can you know encounter your presence without getting into it and all that. And and sure enough, you know, worship went through and I just kind of sat and I just made myself available to the Lord's presence. And then, you know, we went on and we did communion and then there was a sermon and then we came into the, uh, some more worship. And as soon as I stood up, I felt the Lord said, "Okay, you made your point," and I just lost it. And um, it was this permission to give my emotional capacity over to the Lord without fear of like, like always having my dukes up, like I might be manipulated here to go, no, I'm giving it all to him. And uh, yeah, sometimes worship is really emotional for me and sometimes it isn't, but it's like now it feels like it's more of a gift when it happens rather than like a fetish or something that I discount or whatever. It's just like, it's a, it's giftedness. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the third thing that we wanted to, talk about, I think, especially in the context, you know, our, our vision for this year is maturing in Christ for the sake of the world, that worship is essential for maturing us to look more like Jesus. I don't think the call to worship and even to musical worship is an option. And when I think about this list of all these things we've been talking about over the past several weeks, I feel like many of us in our personality will pick and choose and go, oh, well, I, I really like worship, but I don't really have time for teaching or, you know, I... I'm all about getting together for the common meal, but you know, the generosity thing, like other people will take care of that. And it's like, all of these things should be in our lives and vibrant. We're practicing them. We're learning new ways to go deeper, to expand our understanding. And I think musical worship is, it's not something that we can get away from. Again, like even you're saying with Jesus, like we see this in Jesus. So why do we feel like we need to exempt ourselves from that? Because we can't sing? Mm -hmm. Like the Bible says, make a joyful noise. You know, and so um, I think you know, one of the things that we often hear said about worship, which is very true and it's very obvious and bears being said, is like we become like what we worship. You know, we're all worshiping something, whether we realize it or not, in how we spend our time and our money, um, in our resources, in what we're thinking about, in what uh, what hits our heart. Like all of these things, we're we're directed towards someone or something, an idea, a future fantasy, whatever it is, and that is worship. And so the question is whether or not we are worshiping, it's where are we directing our worship? Because when we direct it properly, then we are transformed. Um, so let's bring it a little bit more specific to City Beautiful Church. Like for each of you as worship leaders, like what are your hopes and desires for our church when it comes to worship? You can go. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think my biggest thing is that I hope that our body can start to look past preferences in worship. And I say that as someone who has been a preference-driven worshiper before. Um, I think that we have experiences. Um, a lot of us come from past, you know, churches or previous experiences. And so for me, like when I walk into a worship experience and I see, you know, well-mixed vocals, an overproduced light show, I immediately jump to my skepticism and I'm like, I'm not going to experience God here. And it's so bad because I will literally sit there and stop myself from worshiping because I am like, just, that's not my preferred style or I don't find value in that style. And so like I reduce God to my preferred format. And then the second I realize that I kind of place that reductionist view on him, I'm finally humbled to the point where I can actually worship him in that context yeah. because I'm like it's this is not about a way of doing it it's about 
who you're worshiping. And like, if we truly believe that God deserves praise and honor, he deserves it in any format. And so I think that I, I'm saying that as someone who's experienced that, um, I, I don't want people to walk in here. Like you were saying, like, I don't want us to be like, Oh yes, it's Kaylee. Oh yes, it's Scott. Oh yes. It's so-and-so like, I want us to be like, Oh yes, we get to worship the God of the universe. Like that is, that's exciting. That's, that pushes past every hit song that, you know, is, is out there. And I, and (laughs) it's not to say, and I want to emphasize this. It's not to say that preference is a bad thing because I think that preference is the thing that leads us to like unique forms of expression. It's why we have different genres and why we have different, um, musical tastes. So I think that that's wonderful. I'm just saying that it's not everything like, like God being holy is everything. And so, you know, God created all things. And so our personal taste and the talent to create those things is, is from him. But in the end, he still transcends them. Right. So I think that's really the heart behind why I want to push past preference. Yeah, I mean, a big thing for me when I think about all of this is honesty and worship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that some people pick up on you know, when there is a big show, they're like, this doesn't feel like honest or I guess you could use authentic or whatever. And it just makes me think of all of the times I've been in a setting where like, it was bad. Like the, the worship, the worship was terrible. You know, like I've been at churches where they don't have instruments. It's just a lady singing out of a hymnal. You know, I've like, my parents took us all over to different churches, which, which was awesome. So I've, you know, experienced a lot. And, uh, it reminds me of this, uh, I I volunteered at a camp for people with special needs and, um, most of them had down syndrome and we spent five days just like playing games, you know, loving on them. And, and, uh, and we always had worship nights and the last night the, uh, one of the girls starts singing at the top of her lungs and it was terrible <laughs> but I think it was like and it was amazing it but was continue. Ama- <laughs> no it was terrible it was the worst thing but at the same time it was the most authentic yeah. honest uh, expression of worship and literally like I start crying because I'm like holy cow like, how often do I get so caught up in, like, well, is my voice going to sound good today? Or, you know, am I going to remember the words? Or am I going to mess up again, like I often do? Uh, and, and, like, the example of someone who is just going to go for it yeah. and just worship, is not afraid of what people are going to think, um, was so, like, edifying to me. Mm. And that's something I still, like, that happened maybe seven years ago, and I still have to remind myself of that moment and be like, sometimes excellence is not the, like, the flag that we have to chase after. It's honesty and worship. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just, I'm, like, lost in that memory right now. <laughs> Well, you know, when I think about the journey of maturity, it it really is defined by moving from an egocentric worldview to an other-centered worldview. Like, that's just maturity is. And for us as Christians, we say it's being focused on God and being focused on other people, and that's what true freedom is. 
and I think it's so interesting when you put that lens on our worship that immature worshipers, we think about us. What, what are my preferences? What songs do I like? How loud do I prefer it to be? What instruments do I want? Is it, and, and yes, there is something to be said about there being distractions that make it harder to worship. But ultimately, if we have this vision of like, we, we, it, we effortlessly make it about God and other people, and that's where we're headed, then we can begin to check some of the idolatrous assumptions and perspectives that we have now when it comes to worship. So, Scott, even when you were talking about like your hopes and desires for us as a church and even of individuals, part of it was that we would learn how to kind of take inventory of ourselves in, the pre in, the, in worship itself. Yeah, I think there's a part of some of us, not everyone, that sees the, the worship team or the praise team, as I like to call it, <laughs> on stage. And, and it's kind of like that same thing where you see a pastor and you're like, oh, he's going to hear from God and he'll just tell me. Yeah. You know? And I think it would be awesome, like, like, for everyone to just know you have permission to be your own worship leader. Um, because I think, I think, like, we're all in this together. All of us are hearing, you know, unique things from the Lord. And one of the things, like, just from my own experience, like, um, if I'm not leading worship in a gathering and I'm just in the gathering, oftentimes there's moments where I don't feel like worshiping. I don't, I've got, like, all these other things on my mind. And I have to, in that moment, be like, okay, and start to go down the list of, like, why am I feeling this? You know, doing some introspective work to try and, because my heart is I want to worship. You know what I mean? And I crave honest worship. Like, I don't want to worship because I guess I have to do this. Like, I want to truly worship, you know? And, and oftentimes we come in with some sort of baggage that's blocking. And, and so I think it'd be awesome as if we all become our own little worship leaders where we, we can do that that inside work and the diagnostic of like what's going on inside of me um what is the lord saying to me right now like how is he trying to speak to me individual individually um like how do we engage our inner self to be a more effective like corporate worshiper yeah. well and i think that's the beauty of it is the more that we own our own journey of worship the more we recognize that we're bound by this common spirit who's going to lead us generally in the same direction. You know, because there's like a false version of the community going somewhere, which is just, try, we're going to do it, and you guys just sit there and absorb, and we'll all get to the same place. But there's this, I think, this beautiful kingdom irony of like, the more we put the onus on you to own your journey with the Lord, the more we'll actually be led in the same place, but not because you're being coerced, because it's the same spirit that's binding us together and we're learning that sensitivity and learning to listen to him more and own, own our part of following him where he leads City Beautiful collectively. And, you know, even um, we wanted to talk a little bit about like some of the really specific things that we've come to as City Beautiful Church of like, this is what worship looks like for us. And one of them that... that um, we've participated in over the past year and a half is that we've changed the organization of the room to kind of get away from this passive participant in the audience thing uh, that kind of 
projects, I think, kind of like what you're looking at of like, oh, those people up there, they're worshiping on my behalf, or the pastor is, you know, studying scripture on my behalf, or this person's praying on my behalf, and where we project the onus onto the professional Christians, and we just sit back and absorb it passively. And so we put our chairs in the round uh, to kind of complete a circuit with our worship team to say, we're all worshiping together, you know, and, and we, have, we have the Lord's table in the center of our room to say, we're all worshiping together and we have this common focus. And I love how sometimes uncomfortable it is, but how beautiful, like when I, you know, I usually sit over here and I look over and I see like Kaylee and Dakota and Kaylee's mom, you know, and, and Mike, and I kind of like, you know, I could just see it and I turn slightly and I see Marshall and Lord and you know I noticed you know I just see my people and we're doing it together and I'm being led by them and I'm being led by myself and I'm being led by the people on the table and I'm being led by the spirit and I I feel like it's such a powerful symbolic reorientation that we've made to achieve that level of maturity um so for you guys what are some of the actual like practices that we've participated in or that, are, that really speak to this attitude that we have for worship. Yeah, I think talking about like the way that we create our sets is something that's been really important um, to get all of our worship leaders kind of on the same page. And, and it's not just a random, you know, dart thrown at a piece of paper with a list of songs. It's actually taking time and realizing, okay, what is the message about? What are, what are, what's going to be shared with the people and how do we pray into that and like let the Lord kind of come into that process? Because if you're not addressing the Lord, then you're just, you know, putting together some songs. And so I think that being able to just make that a prayerful consideration and I realize so many times like I'll, I'll, I'll pray into a set and then you'll say an exact word from a song that you had no idea I was even going to do and it will follow right up after that and I'm always like oh, you you know I just feel like there's just so much room to to invite the Lord into those things and you'll be surprised like the things that he puts in your mind whether it's like a song that came out in the early 2000s or before that and it's just like you know the Lord the Lord moves when you when you are aware of him and he's moving when you're not aware of him. But when you come into like acknowledgement that he wants to use you for that, it's like something as simple as a set creation. It's just like such a change in perspective that, that you realize like, oh, the Lord's always trying to talk to me. Like I should just, you know, bend my ear and like listen more often because he, he moves. So... That's why I'm always whispering into your, your headpiece, Days of Elijah, to see if we'll take is it that back. Is that what that is? Yeah, Days oh. of Elijah. I don't know that one. Give me another. <laughs> <laughs> um, Scott, you've been around since the beginning of City Beautiful Church. And one of the things that a lot of people have questions about is, oh, gosh, it's really dark in here. Um, and that's intentional. Do you want to talk a little bit about the spirit behind that? <laughs> <laughs> I had so many jokes pop into my head that I was going to tell, but I probably shouldn't. <laughs> Um, no, I think, I think what's hard for us when we come to worship God is like, it sounds so simple to like, oh, all right, just focus your eyes on God. Like, it's really hard. Like you have all these things you're trying to keep at bay, things you got to do later in that day. And, and so one of the purposes of, of darkening the room is it kind of like, it makes it a little easier to to um, to meditate on what the Lord is doing, to to maybe not be so self-conscious. So, like, 
darkening darkening the room is is almost a way to to make the path a little easier uh, to worship God. I love even um, my. <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about like trip hazards and stuff. And yeah, right. <laughs> well, we've got we've got people that can help with that. But one of the things that my mom was joking about with our new backdrop and doing it on Sundays is that our worship team should be called the silhouettes because you can't see people's faces. But that's like, we even thinking here, it's like, okay, we're in this weird digital space. How do we still make this kind of us? Holy puppet shows. <laughs> I think we Perfect. should integrate that next week. <laughs> I love that. I don't know. Okay. Maybe not. Okay. Scratch yeah. that. <laughs> well, we'll keep working on it. Um, I think another thing I've been really proud of you guys for <laughs> in terms of um, with a you know, greater intentionality of like following the Lord's prompting is you guys have really worked hard to create a, a really robust ecosystem of worship. I think it touches on a lot of things that you've talked about before of like consciously like to over a season, it's not just in a Sunday, but over a season choosing songs that are intentionally personal and are intensely communal. Songs that are about me and the Lord, songs that are about us. Um, choosing songs that are songs of praise, kind of ascribing to God who he is. And then songs of lament that really help us to work through our stuff. I, I mean, I love like, um, you know, it is well with my soul or like some of the hymns, it's like prone to Lord, uh, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. And I'm like, yeah, man. amen, you know? <laughs> so those like very high truth of who God is, but very high consideration for the human experience um, that you guys have chosen songs that very much speak to a heart in terms of our emotions, in terms of our love, but you also pick, choose songs that are very much intellectually stimulating and are about the renewal of our minds. Um, choosing songs that are very traditional, that we, we incorporate a lot of hymns, but choosing songs that are very contemporary, like what's the Lord doing in our nation right now that we can be led into? Um, doing songs that are very like eternal context of like this truth is always the same and then songs that are very specific to what's happening and, and I and I love that and I and I hope that we continue to just really consider like you guys are saying like not just like what's the hip song or how are we just trying to be more relevant but are we creating a rich ecosystem of worship where it really taps into every part of the story that we're walking into with God um, that leads us into greater maturity and I love that um, so yeah, that's, I think, I think that feels like a good place to end, but I would love if each of you would just kind of pray whatever the Lord leads you to pray over our community about, um, our team that's leading the worship ministry, but also the people that we consider family and, and where the Lord might lead us in worship. So yeah. I'll, I'll pray a little bit and I'll just leave it open for you guys. Sound good? Sure. All right. Um, well, Father, again, I thank you for this time. Um, I thank you for this season that we're in of, of really having this vision of, of what maturity looks like in Jesus and then allowing that to call back to us where we are today. And God, I pray that as we continue on in that process, if any of us are feeling shame or guilt that we've missed the mark when it comes to worship or it comes to generosity or whatever it is, that you'd really address those places of shame because that doesn't help us to grow. But rather, Lord, that you would remind each one of us that 
it's all a journey that we're, and, and we won't arrive uh, until you've determined that it's an arrival point and we're always learning and we're always growing. And God, I pray through that, that our journey of maturing as worshipers would be one that would have an increased joy of discovering not just what's the assumptions we have in our own hearts, but this larger truth of who it is that you are and um, how we're being kind of gathered up into your story as we're continually being uh, saved and redeemed uh, to be the people that you're calling us to be. Yeah, Lord, I, I just thank you for the gift of music. Lord, I thank you for what we get to do with that in the context of giving you the praise that you so deserve. Lord, I just thank you for the people who you've brought into our family here at City Beautiful Church um, who lead us so well, who give generously of their time and their talent, God, as a, as a holy sacrifice to you. And Lord, I just thank you that we get to do it together, that we all get to get out of our own way, to just fixate on you. Lord, I... I pray against a spirit of casual worship. Lord, that if, if we do walk in treating this as a routine or something that's redundant or overdone in our lives, God, that we can, can take inventory and say, okay, why are we feeling this way? So that we can get those things out of the way and worship you with our whole being. Not just our feelings, not just our mind, but God, our, our entirety of who we are. Lord, you are so good. You are so deserving. Teach us how to worship better. Yeah. God, we want to meet with you, even in our living rooms and houses. God, the same, the same spirit is is there as is in the church building. God, we just, we thank you for your peace that comes. We thank you that you are who you say you are. Thank you for reminding us of uh, your goodness. God, our heart is to be honest worshipers. So help us to be honest. Let us be the first ones that that kind of just admit when it when we feel this way that that we don't feel like worshiping. God, and, and just through that honesty, have that pathway open up that we can, you know, walk through and meet you. God, we, we just we want to bless you and to give you all the glory. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.